What's up, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan. I am the host of the Budget Track Podcast. For the month of January, we are posting an episode every single day at 6 a.m. Central Time. If you haven't already, head over to Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe button, and review and rate the Budget Track Podcast. That would be very much appreciated. And before we dive in, I want to talk about our sponsor. Social X is a community of entrepreneurs working together to make a positive impact on the world, scale their businesses, make more money, and build their networks with like-minded individuals. They teach entrepreneurs how to go from zero to six figures through weekly mastermind calls featuring top business leaders, online courses, and amazing events all over the country. If you're interested in learning more about SocialX, go to socialxevents.com and tell them you came from the Budget Trek podcast. Now, on to the show. What's going on, everyone? My name is Brady Morgan. I am the host of the Budget Trek Podcast, and today we have a very special interview with a very special person. He specializes in making people and brands famous. He's contributed to magazines like Inc., Forbes, and Entrepreneur. He's the founder of Kivo Daily, Mr. Dylan Kivo. Dylan, what's going on, man? What is going on, man? Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So, not sure how familiar you are with my story. Wanted to give a brief breakdown. Podcast started as me and my wife's journey to getting out of $50,000 in debt reaching our own version of financial freedom. As I went through that, I realized this was a good accountability measure, both for myself and my audience, and also a good education measure for myself and my audience, talking about my own struggles, my own successes, but also interviewing people like yourself, people who are constantly striving to be better versions of themselves. And I want to get into your story and how that plays a role in the foundation of my podcast. But Before we get into that, I always ask this first preliminary question, what is the dumbest thing you have ever spent money on? Oh man, <laughs> honestly, I would say the dumbest thing I've ever spent money on was paying somebody else to learn a skill that I really needed to inherit myself. And that was about, I'd say four and a half, maybe even five years ago, I paid somebody who, who knew basically nothing about websites. This is actually before, it's perfect timing. This is actually before Kivo Daily even started. I figured, oh, maybe I can just pay somebody to learn how to build a magazine like that. And so I spent, you know, it wasn't anything crazy, maybe like fifteen hundred, maybe two thousand dollars most of, of, you know, giving this guy like just sending him like YouTube videos and all this stuff. And this is before I thought I could even build a website myself. And so I actually invested into somebody else's knowledge for my gain. And I think that was the stupidest thing I could do because, see, now in a retro perspective, looking back on that, kind of like the flip side of that question is the most beneficial thing I've ever spent money on was definitely, you know, personal growth and personal development. So instead of me pouring the 1500 or $2,000 into, into this person, which I barely even knew the guy, it was such a stupid thing for me to do, but he kind of <laughs> sold me on himself and had this background. But I would say that was definitely the stupidest thing because now the fact that, you know, I learned how to build, you know, Kiva Daily from scratch by myself, I can now take that, that actual skill and duplicate that, replicate that, and create you know, multiple magazines. And that's actually what I'm in the works of doing now. So I would say that would probably be it, is investing my money into somebody else's progression versus myself. Right. And I think too, and if you don't agree with this, that's okay. But in the entrepreneur world, especially on social media, they make it seem like you have to delegate and outsource everything you do. If you want to be successful, you got to get your time back. You got to outsource every single thing you do. And just like what you said, you spent money to pay someone to learn how to do it, not even do it, to learn how to do it. Mm -hmm. And that in itself didn't make sense. Whereas just spend the first year, even the first six months, teaching yourself everything you need to know about your own business and then take it from there. I actually agree with you. Um, And you're right. A lot of people, especially nowadays, like, oh, just, you know, delegate everything out. And there is some truth to that. However, 
I truly believe that you have to get up to a certain point in your life and business where you're able to just delegate and kind of, they say, kind of just stand back and watch everything grow. My personal opinion is it's hard to, and I don't mean like you, you necessarily have to be an expert in every single field that you're hiring and trying to delegate out. However, I, I think you should know at least like a good basis or at least 50% of what they're going to be doing because how can you hire somebody and trust and verify that they're doing actually what you're paying them to do if you have no sense of recollection of what they're, what you're hiring them to do in the first place? Right. And so with Kiva Daily, you know, I, I worked on that site solely alone for about six months before hiring my own employee because one, I wanted to get like the foundation down, the core values and just like how I wanted the magazine to look and feel and run and operate without me having that kind of alone time, if you will, for the first you know, several months of building up that company. There's no way in hell I could have just put all those duties and tasks on somebody else's shoulders who has no vision to run with. Right. So if you don't set the foundation for your employees, it's kind of like the blind leading the blind. Nobody knows where they're supposed to be going. Nobody knows you know, what articles and stuff that are supposed to go up. And I feel like as the CEO founder of that magazine, it is my job to set the foundation for the future of the company. And I can only do that by single-handedly just doing it myself. And that's not to say like not to have help and stuff like that and mentors. Of course, that's always nice. But at the end of the day, if you're not the captain of your own ship, don't be, don't be surprised if it goes off, you know, off the beaten path because it's, it's really nobody else's fault but your own. Right. And I completely agree with you. And I, you hit on something, having employees now at Kivo Daily. I listened to a recent podcast where you were interviewed by Aaron Patton and you now have seven employees. Is that correct? I, so since that part, I actually have about 10 now. So okay. I've grown about, about you know, three more. And the, these employees range anywhere from part-time to full-time employees. I would say about 50% live in the U.S. and 50, the rest of 50% live foreign countries, looks like Philippines and stuff like that. Believe it or not, you know, those, those workers, those virtual assistants, if you will, I have actually had better results from them than most of the people that live here, you know, domestically, which is right. very surprising. And I think it's just because they literally put their heart in their sleeves when, they, when they're working for really for anybody and they, they will bust their butt to do whatever it takes to get that job, you know, done instead of somebody who feels like, oh, well, I should get paid more just because I live in a certain, you know, within a certain given boundaries. I feel like that kind of puts like a chip on their shoulder. And, and I, I'm not speaking, like it's not a blanket statement. And it is true. You know, the average salary of somebody who lives in America, I don't know, let's just say it's like $45,000 a year. Well, if you're saying, hey, I'll give you $25,000 a year, they're going to look at you, you know, and you think you're crazy. Right. And I wanted to hit on that too, because you do have employees at Kivo Daily. You basically started everything yourself. So that's where I want to start because everything I read in the beginning about, you know, specializing in making people and brands famous, contributing to these huge magazine publications and founding Kivo Daily, your entrepreneurial journey doesn't start there. So let's start from day one and learn more about who Dylan Kivo actually is. So day one, as far as, so I feel like I've always really been an entrepreneur. I truly believe that's kind of just like instilled in my DNA, if you will, because I remember, geez, in like sixth, seventh grade, you know, selling like lemonade and like all the, all the stuff that typically, you know, kids always did, right? You know, we kind of take it one step further. There's this, this big yard, um, they had, it was like a candy factory. Like I think it was like Mars candy. They had like M&S, M&M Snickers and all that good stuff. And very long story short, I would actually go to those, those yards and fill up a whole bag, you know, my couple backpacks full of food and or candy, um, which the workers there knew. I don't think it was just completely stealing. I mean, I will, you know, I, I don't really have to pay for it, but there was just a huge surplus of it. I don't know exactly what they did with all that other candy. It was just a ridiculous amount. And then I would go back to school and sell it and make, you know, whatever, 20, 30 bucks a day or, you know, whatever they sell for like a dollar or two per candy. 
And I did that for about six months, and then I got called into the principal's office one day, and they said, yeah, we heard what you're doing. Definitely cannot be doing that here. And so I kind of had to put that on the back burner for a while. <laughs> and then leading up even to high school, my buddy Jake and I actually started a nonprofit company called Beyond Creation, and Grace for the Broken has come out our little slogan. I'm a pretty decent drawer. And so I was able to you know, draw up these graphic designs for t-shirts and stuff. And we basically print them on the shirts and sell them at school. And I remember the first month, I think we did like two, two-ish thousand dollars, which in that time and in high school, that's like pretty damn good. You know, right, so right. just selling t-shirts out of your backpacks. And we did that for several months. And what we would do is we go speak around different churches and stuff. And sometimes the churches would even end up giving us like their tithing money and stuff like that, just because they really believed in, you know, the mission of what we're doing. And I think a lot of it had to do with, you know, our heart and the fact that we were so young, but we would actually go to local parks and like do the homeless people, pray, pray with them and do all that stuff, which that was actually really eye-opening to be honest with you. That was a, that was a really, really cool experience. I think like giving something and like the, the food and even some clothes to homeless people to, to see the impact it had on their lives really impacted our lives maybe even more and i don't mean from a financial standpoint but just like opening your eyes to like holy crap like helping people is actually really freaking cool it makes a difference and so from there you know the, the, we did that for about a year and then i ended up going out to virginia to pursue my hockey career that then turned, you know went on the back burner and Play hockey for several years and tried to get to the NHL and got hurt too many times and had to kind of pull back from that career or that dream of having that be my career and did firefighting for a while. Did that for about a year. And then after a while, I was like, you know what, I can't I can't do this forever. You know, they did really didn't pay that well and saw some crazy things. It was super stressful. And then my mentor at the time was like, yo, you should get into website design. And I was like, dude, come on. I was like, I play hockey. I was a firefighter. There's no way you're going to see me behind a keyboard. That's just, that's just not me. And I, after, you know, several months, I kind of put down my ego, put down my pride and I jumped on the university of YouTube and just went after that for a couple months. And eventually I, I started falling in love with it. And I landed my first biggest client, which is Paul. And he's out of Nashville too. And he kind of gave me the one shot of, Hey, you know, if you kind of just follow me, I'll show you the ropes of business. And I'd say I did that for about almost three ish years. And then from there, you know, I learned all the basis of media and how to blow up a personal brand. And I took him from, I don't know, maybe like 50, 60,000 followers up to like, you know, 1.5 million across all social media platforms. And I had him in these major publications and stuff. And that's when I really found that I enjoyed media was by working with him. Because I saw kind of like the overnight success, if you will, that I was able to, you know, have him become from getting him placed in these major publications. And I was like, out of all the things I'm doing besides website development, social media management, and PR, PR is actually what I found to be most helpful. Again, that's that's my own biased opinion, obviously, but that's I did it all. I did it all for several years. And from seeing the work that I was doing, PR was kind of made like the biggest impact. And I don't mean financially, but I mean from a popularity standpoint of something that, and that's something I was very interested, especially being born and raised in Orange County, California. You know, there's just celebrities and everything are basically walking down the street all the time, mainly because LA is down the street. And so that was something I've always been infatuated with was how to how to kind of make up the story of why somebody can really anybody can think at the end of the day, anybody can be famous and any, any brand or company can be very popular. It's all in the branding of personal branding or company brand, you know, building and stuff like that. So that's, I, I feel like PR is the next thing that everybody needs to get to the next level, but most people just don't know how to utilize that skill. Everybody knows how to use social media because it takes two clicks to, you know, go to the app store and iTunes, whatever, and download Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, what have you, TikTok nowadays. But in order to get PR, you typically need like a third-party source like myself or you know somebody out there, a publicist, to get the word out about you. And that's kind of where I come to play. 
Yeah, there's a lot there. You jumped around a lot, you know, from doing the nonprofit to doing NHL and then doing firefighting and now you're here. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely been a roller coaster, but I wouldn't have had it, you know, any other way. Oh, absolutely. I love to be able to, and on, on, even on top of that, man, I mean, I've lived in, you know, born and raised in California. Then I went to Virginia for hockey, Nashville because my mentor went to Dallas, Texas, had another mentor there as well, Charlotte, North Carolina. And then two, three weeks, I'm moving over to Portland. So I've literally lived basically all around the US. Yeah. And I think that's really cool because it exposes you to different demographics of people. And what you do Keto daily, I think it's building your own awareness of what do people actually want. And I know you seem like the type of guy that you're not finished yet. And you're 25, you're young. And Kibo daily is huge now, but you're you're wanting to take it to the next level. And you're going to do it every day. Oh, yeah. That's my goal. That's my goal. And honestly, I will never sell anything more than 49% of Kiva daily for my, the rest of my life. You want to have majority ownership? At least a majority. So at the moment, you know, I do want 100% of it. I've had offers for, you know, several people. And surprisingly, after even the first year, it was evaluated at a, a pretty large number, well over six figures. And I was very shocked. But then I learned that, you know, these publications are really evaluated off of basically their audience, how many writers they have. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about advertising. How many eyes can you captivate in a single month and calendar year? And that's kind of how they put the evaluation on it. But we're getting we're getting numbers of close to fifty, sometimes seventy five thousand views every single month right now. And it's obviously only increasing. We have about twenty five hundred writers right now writing for Kibo Daily. That that is really really awesome. But I ask all this to lead to the big question. So you're going through all these different facets of life, like we said, the nonprofit, the hockey career, the firefighting, doing what you're doing now. You went to Nashville. You're all over the place. Along with that, your personal finances are changing quite a bit going from nonprofit to where you're at today. Mm -hmm. So along this entrepreneurial journey, how did the management of your own personal finances play a role in getting you to each next step along that journey? That's a good question. So for some weird reason, I've always been a saver. I remember ever since I was a kid, like I get, you know, let's just say two, three hundred bucks for Christmas, save, 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 save. And then it's like, I've, I've always been really I wouldn't say like frugal, but I would say smart with my money. Mm. And let's just say, however, I have made a lot of, you know, questionable, you know, expenses and stuff like cars and watches or, you know, fun things like that. But what I try to do is let's just say I want to buy, for example, like the next car I want to get is it's a 570S McLaren. However, the only way that I can personally justify making, you know, let's say like a close to $200,000 expense like that is I have to come up with a business model. If I'm making a $200,000 expense, I'd like to come up with a company that's going to generate at least a quarter million, right? Have a $50,000 cushion on top of that. That's going to generate that type of money, you know, per, per year to be able to afford that car. Right. So right now I have about four businesses and some of them ranging, you know, from big to small, obviously Kibo Daily is definitely more on the bigger side now, but a year ago it wasn't, it wasn't generating that much money because the publication is only close to two years old. So whenever it comes to finances, I'm always making sure like a good rule of thumb is I don't buy anything unless I can buy it in cash. And so I does, that doesn't necessarily mean I actually do my transactions that way, you know, depending on like taxes and stuff like that. I have kind of work with my CPA. Anytime I have a big expense that I want to do, I always work with my CPA. This dude is a magician. Like he's, he's very, very good with his taxes and he doesn't, you know, does everything by the books. So I never have to worry about anything. But I always make sure that whenever I buy big expenses, I walk through like, okay, first of all, this is what I want to buy. And 
he says, great, you know, personally, Dylan, I think you can afford X versus this. And I said, okay, cool. If I create a company that can, you know, generate X amount of dollars you know, a month, kind of like, am I in the clear? And if he gives me the get the go, the green light, I'll take it. I always actually rely on him with bigger expenses because he's the professional. Right. And so I rather, I rather lean on someone who's, you know, has 20 years of accounting and CPA experience versus myself, a 25 year old who really has zero experience in finances. And I'm very laser focused on my finances and making sure that everything is, you know, at the end of the day, being an entrepreneur, we never control what comes in. We can only control what comes out. Our bank right. account. And so if we, if we're always making a smart decision on, okay, well, if I can at least control goes out, then even if some months, if they're a little bit slower, that's okay because you're kind of mitigating your losses by controlling your output versus, you know, something that you can't control, which is your input. So my, my biggest advice for everybody is to actually lean on a professional, like a CPA or somebody who you truly trust, who actually has a strong financial background to kind of help you, you know, guide through those questions and, you know, whether you do or don't want to make a certain expense. Yeah, I love that. I just wrote down a question basically stating that you're good at what you're good at. So if you do drop shipping, you do day trading, anything entrepreneurial wise, you're good at that, but you might not be good at managing your own finances. So I wrote, do you think that entrepreneurs should lean on themselves for their personal finances or get a mentor or advisor, if you will, to help them do that for them? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're an entrepreneur who is good at finances, the answer may be lean on yourself, right? Right. However, if you're, you know, and I'm, I would say I'm pretty good, at, you know, with dealing with my own personal finances and business finances for sure. However, I've always thought it's always a better move for me to go to someone who specializes in something versus just kind of be naive or think, oh, I got this. Because at the end of the day, every single move we make has, you know, basically a pro and a con. Right. If you just decide to lean on yourself instead of paying somebody, you know, let's just say it's a thousand bucks a month to kind of like analyze and, you know, guide your decision making when it comes to finances, you may be taking a, a much larger hit on just trying to lean on your own understanding, which in fact, that may not be the right way to go. Right. Um, so I think, I think it is a case by case basis, depending on, you know, how much money you make, how much money you're trying to spend. I mean, there's so many variables that come into this, but I think it's very interesting as entrepreneurs, we're always so obsessed of how much we can make. But a lot of entrepreneurs don't focus on, okay, now that I have the money that I wanted, that I was you know, dreaming of making quotes in the bank account, but now what do I do with it? Where do I invest that money? You know, what, what's my next move? Because it's, it's, you know, it's one thing to make a lot of money, but it's, it's the next move that's very important. So what do I do with the money that I have? Yeah. And I think, I think controlling the money that you have is just as important as worrying about the next, you know, couple thousand dollars that come to your bank account as well. I think that's huge because social media, not everyone, but a lot of people on social media portray this image that to be quote unquote successful, you have to buy a lot of things, which if you can afford it, absolutely do it. But I think it creates this image that people think, okay, I just made $10,000 my first month. I'm going to go spend $10,000 and buy name brand stuff just to show that I'm making a lot of money. But I said this in previous episodes. I mean, you can make a million dollars a year. But if you spend a million dollars, you are still broke. Yes, very true. I think it's this false image that's painted on social media that in order to be successful, you have to look the part rather than letting your results speak for themselves. 
I agree. And you know what? I think, you know, another good point too is like, if you feel like you have to prove your worth or prove that you make a lot of money, I don't think you're going to be attracting the people that really matter in life anyways. Because if you right. look at, let's just say Warren Buffett or, you know, Bill Gates, if you look at their track record, what they spend their money on. And if they're walking down the street, I mean, yes, people know their face obviously these days, but if they weren't, you know, let's just say social media and TV was out of the picture, media in general, and nobody knew what they looked like, you probably wouldn't know that they're multi-billionaires just by the way they look because they don't flaunt their money. They know they're rich and that's good enough for themselves. However, they're still able to make the big moves and you know deal with the big dogs in whatever industry they want to get into because of their track record, not just because of their nice car that they drive and the nice you know, risk wear that they have. Yeah, there's an interview with Warren Buffett where they ask him why he still lives in the same house that he bought back in the 50s. He said, well, I could afford any property I wanted in the world. I just choose not to. I was like, that <laughs> is the biggest flex I have ever seen in an interview. <laughs> That is pretty cool. I agree. Yeah. Man. I, and you know what too, like, you know, I'll be honest, you know, being like younger and stuff and you know, the, I remember like a couple months back, I was like, Oh, I really want a nice car. And I was like, okay, I went, you know, went out and bought like a Corvette and I know it's not like a Lamborghini. It's not a $200,000 car, but it's still, you know, it's up there and it's, it is a nice fun car right. to drive. Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean it was the smartest move for me to make. So, I mean, I'm still learning. I'm not, I'm not sitting here thinking I have all the answers and I have all the keys to the kingdom and things like that. But that's one thing about me is I know when I make mistakes. And as long as I learn from them, I really think that's all that matters. Yeah, I think that's what makes you special, Dylan, is you have built this really high level of success, but you just said, I'm still learning. I still make mistakes and you're going to own up to that. I think that's what separates the people that really have a big influence on people versus the people that say they have a big influence on people. I actually agree with you on that. And I appreciate that. But that is, that's a good point. I just think there, there's this fine line that people like to ride in social media. I mean, that's where everything is. You know, I wouldn't know who you were if it weren't for social media and vice versa, but mm-hmm. social media allows you to paint the picture of how you want to be known and whether you can attract people who believe you influence them or you have to force your influence on other people. And it's up to people to be really self-aware, not only in their finances, but in every area of life of, am I doing what I'm called to do? Am I doing it with utmost integrity, respect for other people, honesty? And I think that's huge. And I wanted to ask this question too, because I noticed on your social media, it says God number one. So how important has that faith been in your entrepreneurial journey? Oh man, that's a good one. Well, so that, that actually goes like way back. So I've always been, you know, raised in like Christian home and stuff like that, which has been awesome. But at the end of the day, I believe that, you know, if you strip away money and you strip away like your skills and everything, you're basically left at your core. Right. Whatever that core looks like is, is truly who you are and everything stacked on top of that with is kind of all, I don't want to say like a bandaid, but imagine like a little, it's like a mask, if you will. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, every, we all, we've all got different masks that we wear. Right. Some people like to look rich. Some people like to look like a gangster. It really doesn't matter. But I truly believe that at your core, if it's not like as pure as possible, if you're not, you know, at the end of the day, trying to do good for others, that's pretty sad. And so I try to make sure that everything I do, I always look at the positive and just like be positive and everything that happens in life. But more importantly, I try to make sure that everything's not just about me. Because at the end of the day, we're all going to die. We're all going to sit in that rocking chair when we're going to be, you know, some of us may not be 80, 90 years old sitting in a rocking chair. Some of us might be driving down in our 20s and 30s and get hit by someone who's drunk. You just, you never, at the end of the day, dude, you never know what's going to happen. Why? I, I call it maximizing my moments. Every single day, I try to make sure that no matter what I'm doing in my life, it's something that at the end of the day, I can look back and be proud of. And so even with business, I can't partner up with a company that I feel like, let's just say it's an industry that's 
like a black hat industry, if you will, or, you know, sometimes looked down upon by like, you know, Christians for, for, for good measures too. Like let's just say it's porn or something like that. Right. Like right. Just, I'll just throw it out there. Like I can't put my name behind that because it's not something in the future where I can ever tell my kids, Hey, I'm a co-founder of, you know, X company. I feel like, you know, protecting your image and not protecting your image for other people's, you know, gain or other people's work, but protecting your image for your own clarity and like to be able to sleep at well at night. That's what I do it for. But I also believe that, you know, yes, I do say, you know, God, number one, because it's true. Without God, I truly believe I would be nowhere in a hell where I am today. Things have not always been easy. You know, my parents got divorced. I was like 16, 17 years old. Shit, I was married for, you know, two and a half years and I got divorced myself and that happened early this year. Things have not always been easy. But at the end of the day, if you can't have something that you can basically lean all your crap onto, I feel like you're going to absorb it. And so I know in the Bible it really talks about like, you know, not leaning on your own understanding and any problems you have, basically just give to God. I mean, just by common sense, I mean, not to sound like any certain way, but it sounds a lot easier than just holding and absorbing the problems myself, doesn't it? I mean, my gosh, it's like if I can just put all my problems and struggles on, on, on God versus just, you know, sucking everything in and just like living like this, just the stiff brick of just a mess, there's no way I'm going to be able to help others. I know there's, I kind of spun the wheel like a lot within that, you know, oh, I love that. sentences there, but it's, it's more of a, of a way of life versus just a belief. I love it. I, I really love it. And, and it's, it's really crazy because lately I've just been thinking about, you know, my purpose, you know, what's my purpose in this life? Yeah. I like the podcast, but am I going to do the podcast forever? Probably not. How can I make the biggest influence on people? And I just got to thinking, you know, everyone has struggles, whether they want to talk about it or not. But just like you said, if you don't have anyone to release those struggles to and you just absorb them and keep them inside of you, like you will destroy yourself. Exactly. I think that destroys more people than we know. And people are really good at hiding that they've destroyed themselves. Mm-hmm. But it's crazy to think about a life of not having faith and not leaning on a higher being that can get you out of those times. That, and I, I think the thing, the thing is too, is, is people don't believe what they can't see. Faith is believing what you can't see and believing that you can just metaphorically release your struggles and hand them off is really, it, it lifts a burden off my shoulders. And I, I feel I like it totally does the same agree. for you. Yeah. And it's funny too, because you know, and you, you just, it's funny, you just hit a, a very good topic here. It's like, you know, people, they have a very time, a very tough time believing in my God and stuff like that because they can't say it, which I get, right? Mm-hmm. But how come they don't have, a, they don't have a tough time believing that the car's going to start when they put a key in a little hole that they, and they just turn it, but they know that the whole engine's going to turn on. I don't right. know why people can believe that, but they can't believe something else. Or like when they flip a switch in the bathroom, the light turns on. They don't know how everything works. They just believe when they touch the button, something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And even too, you know, talking about entrepreneurs, people believing in their own success because you can't see it. I mean, you mm-hmm. don't know what, what your future is going to hold for you. And just like you said, no day is guaranteed. You could be on your way to sign a mega billion dollar deal and get in a car wreck and die. Exactly. So, oh yeah, what is your faith actually in? That that's a really big conversation, probably for a follow up episode for us. But Absolutely. I want to go ahead and start wrapping up too, because I really want to be conscious of your time. So I'm going to go into a speed round. The speed round is five questions that have virtually nothing to do with the podcast itself. Yeah, no, <laughs> so, I'm ready. Let's do it. So, question number one. Would you rather be in jail for a year or lose a year off your life? In jail for a year. Easy. Would you rather have to wear 10 layers of clothes everywhere you go or go completely naked? 
Oh man. I'd probably say naked. About to say you got to think about the heat too. <laughs> yeah, dude, come on. I know you'd be so uncomfortable. And at the end of the day, I mean, is there naked? It is what it is. Like I don't know if that's like a lost in bed or whatever it is, but if you, at least you have a reason for it, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Would you rather only get to wear itchy shirts or only use one ply toilet paper? One ply. Interesting. I would choose uh, yeah. the other. <laughs> would you rather live without internet or live without AC and heating? Without AC and heating. And what's your most valuable asset? Yourself or your time? I would say myself. Let's expand on that. Why do you think that? Well, let's just say you had unlimited time, but you had no no brain power to do anything with that time. I essentially think it's kind of a waste of time because at the end of the day, I don't think it's, you know, how many years you're here on earth. I think it's what you do with the years that you're here. So mm-hmm. I think if, if I'm here for a year or let's just realistic, let's just say I'm here for 45 years and I'm able to change the world or I'm here for a hundred years and I do nothing and nobody never knows about, you know, if you do and keep it was or, you know, what I've done in a positive way, of course, then I feel like you're basically just like a fly on the wall and you don't make much of an impact. And if you're not going to make a big impact then what's the purpose? I love that answer. I really do. I've asked that question to probably the last five or six people and it's always been split, but you have a really good answer for that. So in conclusion, what is one thing from this interview that you hope my audience, your audience takes away from it? I would 100% say the, the best segment was probably the guy number one part because you take away that at least for me personally speaking, you take away that from me, then I, I've got nothing for you. I, love I mean, you, all the ideas of Kiva Daily and all the business you know, transactions and you know partnerships that I've forged over the last couple of years, I can honestly tell you it's only because of him, not because of me. Yeah. I've basically just been a vessel to be used in a good way. And that's what I think the root of it all is. I love it, man. I love it. Where can uh, my audience find you on social media? Um, I made it pretty simple. So it's all just Dylan Kivo, D-I-L-L-O-N. K-I-V as in Victor O across basically all the platforms between, you know, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Guys, reach out to Dylan on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Let him know what you thought of the episode. Dylan, thanks for coming on, man. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. I'm posting episodes every day in January at 6 a.m. Central Time, and they're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other major podcasting platform. Check out our social media linked in the description and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll catch you next time.